0: Applying God's Word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied.
1: All right, welcome to another episode of Theology Applied with Right Response Ministries. I'm your host, Pastor Joel Webin. Today, I'm very honored uh, and privileged to have two of my friends, um, just incredible men of God who have done a lot of great, courageous work. Uh, for the church at large, standing up against some of the, um, the false ideologies and vain philosophies that keep creeping into the church, and sadly, uh, even into good uh, reformed churches. Uh, a lot of people I don't think are malicious. I think a lot of people on this particular subject are just being played. They're, they're just being deceived. That uh, Their sympathy and sentiment is getting the best of them. They just need to be properly educated And informed about what the Bible says in particular to the issue of social justice, racial reconciliation, identity politics, these kinds of topics, this big Trojan horse issue, and I think two of the leading voices on this subject even if they were white, they'd be leading voices because their content is what matters. But two brothers, uh, Daryl Harrison, Virgil Walker. Can you guys introduce yourselves from the Just Thinking podcast, Incredible Men of God?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll get started, man. Uh, Virgil Walker, uh, I'm, I'm half of the dynamic duo known as the Just Thinking uh, podcast, Just Thinking crew. Uh, I'm here in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, excited to be a part uh, what's going on. Can't wait, uh, Brother Joel, to have this conversation with you, and glad to be here with, with, with my main man, Daryl.
0: Daryl Harrison, uh, the other half of the Just Thinking podcast, which I co-host with my main man, Virgil Walker. I'm based here in Southern California in the Valencia area. Um, day job is as dean of social media with grace to you, uh, and uh, glad to be with you here. Once again, Joel, has been a long time, brother. Good to be with you. Man. Yeah, it's been a while the last time
1: I think uh Daryl was um well for both of you guys in person was at the uh at the Shepherds conference and it was right before all the craziness of COVID-19
2: and little did we know what 2020 would have in store for us so in fact, in fact it was right after that Shepcon and we got home that all of the shutdowns started taking place That's right yeah right our at- nation our nation,
1: especially California, where me and Daryl are, has been uh, very much committed to, um, to you know, seeing a spider in the house and then going ahead and just let's just burn the whole house down you know, to, get, to get that spider. So, um, all right. So b- before we hop into our topic, I just I got to bring it up with you, Daryl, because you're a, a fellow California citizen in a, in a, a state that uh, greatly aspires um, to reach the, the likeness of uh, of other. Up and coming third world countries like uh, like Venezuela or North Korea or China. Uh, what 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 is it like for you, Derek? Because I know you're conservative. I know your politics. I, I've gleaned so much from you. Uh, wh- what is like having your views and living in California? What's what's that like?
0: Yeah, um, California is different. And, and, you know, just so your viewers and listeners will 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 know. Let me give a little bit of background. I'm a, a native of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my wife and I, my wife Melissa and I, we relocated to. Uh, Southern California in January of 2019, um, uh, to take an opp- so I could take an opportunity here to join the staff at Grace to You, which is the uh, Bible teaching ministry of uh, John MacArthur. And, and will, most of your viewers probably know that John MacArthur's church, Grace Community Church, is based here in Southern California. So my wife and I relocated from Atlanta to uh, Valencia, California in January of 2019. So I've been here close to two years now. And uh, I have to say that one of the things, there, there are many things that uh, that I'm still getting used to uh, in this transition from Georgia to California. And, and, and one of those things is is just the political climate here. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the political climate here seems to me as an outsider, uh, having been here for, for almost a couple of years now, the political climate here is such that uh, long-term residents of the state, uh, natives of the state uh, seem content to uh, put up with and um, uh, 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 adjust to some of the most onerous, burdensome laws and regulations, all for the sake of being able to live in a state where the weather is nice every day. Right, right. That's, a, that's what it seems to me. I mean, just, this, right. is, this is some of the things I'm, I'm learning. You know, I've, I've, I've been able to vote in two elections now uh, since I moved here to California. Uh, I've been able to vote in two elections here and some of the things, the referendums and, and whatnot that you see on the ballots, um, uh, especially here in LA County, uh, where I live, are, are just unbelievable. Um, right. um, there was uh, uh, the, the, the the cost of living here, the uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the the degree to which government uh, basically runs, or, or to a very great degree, influences life here in this state. Right. It just seems to be, uh, to, to, to me anyway, where most of the folks who live here, they just cook, just sort of put up with it. They're, they're, right. there's, there's nothing that they won't push back on from the standpoint of government intrusion right. in exchange for the sun coming out every day as if the government had anything to do with the sun <laughs> coming out every day. Right, right. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, man, the, the, the regulation, you know, it always seems like, you know, it's, it's a uh, safety versus liberty, right? It seems like in order to, to, for a government to be able to, to take more individual liberty away from its citizens, oh. there has to be some kind of trade that the citizens find, um, attractive. They, they have to see the value. In it. And it always seems like public safety, it becomes the bait for citizens to be willing to forfeit individual freedom, individual liberty. And, uh, and, and so it's, I mean, you know, I grew up in Texas and uh, at the end of this year, I'm taking, you know, leading a team of 20 people out of California, leaving our church to plant a new church and in, in the, the Republic of Texas going back. And in Texas, you know, if you want to ride in the bed of a truck, um, it's dangerous. Your safety is in jeopardy, uh, but you have the freedom to be stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. The, like the government, the government's not reaching in when I'm taking a shower to turn down the hot water so I don't burn myself. You know, it's just get out of my bathroom, get out of my house, get out of my life and and give me freedom. But I think when if you can scare the populace, right, with some kind of and that's why it seems like the Democratic Party, it's always some kind of threat right? its climate crisis. It's it's COVID-19. It's, there's right. always got to be some kind of threat to the public safety, to where the people will say, we'll, we'll pay you in freedom. For you to 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 give us back in return our safety and uh, and that trade, a lot of the the country is not willing to make. But Californians, they just they're like they just they love to make that trade. I, I don't I don't know what it is. I, I haven't been able to figure it out.
0: I like that that sort of wordplay you're doing there. You know, tr- trade with the we're in trade with, trade with the government in exchange for for good weather here in California. Yeah, we'll put up with yeah. higher chances. <laughs> we'll put up with more burdensome regulations, we'll put up with, uh, you know, especially in the midst of this COVID uh, situation, right. and we'll, we'll put up with more uh, restrictions on our freedoms. Uh, and you look at, uh, look at, for example, Virgil and I, in the past couple of months, we've done a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've probably been in the five or six states uh, going to speak at one church or another. And the, the, the thing that I've learned in, in our recent travels is that once you're outside of California, that's America. <laughs> it's outside of California. Yeah. E- e- everything outside of California is relatively normal still. Mm-hmm. We've been in Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, uh, through Texas, Missouri, right. uh, states like that. So once you're outside of California, that seems like America. But once you're back in California, mm-hmm. in, in California, then you then it really has the feel in, in contradistinction to those other states right. that, this is this is very much a an, an element of an element of a third world uh, nation, uh, yeah. Venezuela, uh, Cuba, North, North Korea, because uh, you can't even listen when you when you have the government telling you now what you can and can't do within the confines of your own private residence. Right. Then your residence is no longer private. That's right. Your residence is no longer private when when the government just by edict. Okay, just by edict, when a, when, a, when, a, when a Newsom or the government of Washington State or the governor of Michigan can just by edict sign their name to a document and say that within your own home, you can only have a certain number of individuals present, and even when they're present, you must be, you must be masked right. up. This is, right. it, this is within your own home. Now, right. you know, when, when, when that happens, when that, when that happens as it's happening right now, something has got to click within your mind that this is not, this is not supposed to be happening in America. Right. It is not. Now we all know as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the law has its place. Right. Right. law has its place. But when, when, what we're seeing right now is a, is a total bastardization of the role that That the God-given role that government was designed by God to play in the context of Romans 13. This is that this is not that role. No, it's not. So so when we have objective empirical evidence that government, instead of governing, is now ruling. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to govern, it's another thing to rule. Right. Okay. Government exists to govern, not to rule over us. So, So so something has got to click in your head that says, when I can't, when when I, when I'm being, of Frederick Frederick Douglass said this, Frederick Douglass said, I didn't know I was a slave until I couldn't do the things I wanted. Right. Right. That's what's happening right now. We Mm -hmm. we are being made slaves in a country that was founded on freedom, a country that was founded. So they couldn't become slaves. So you have uh, liberals primarily in the Democrat party. And And I love what you said, Joel, they want to make a crisis out of everything. But you look at the right. Democratic Party historically, the Democrat Party never addressed the crisis that was actually the crisis. They never That's addressed. Right. Slavery. See, slavery was the crisis. Right. The Democrats tried to scare black people into thinking that freedom was not good for them. Mm-hmm. So what, Demo- what, what liberals do, they will flip the script. So whatever they yeah. say the crisis is, it's probably not that. Right. Yep. And they create a
1: crisis. I like what you said about Frederick Douglass. You know, like I didn't know I was a slave. And, until I was eventually hindered or prohibited from doing the things I desired to do. <laughs> and, I, and I think in terms of Californians, I think part of the reason is they don't know they're enslaved um, because I think of the C.S. Lewis quote, you know, that like our problem is not that we desire too much, it's we desire too little. And yeah. I think part of the problem is we've got too many Christians nationwide, uh, but but especially in, in California, it seems like we have too many Christians um, that, that are content with just too low of aspirations, too little of desires. And so for me, I know for myself, part of it for me was my my theology. And so my my theology initially that that led me to California to plant um, the the church that I planted here. I've been here for 11 years. A lot of my driving force was um, I I want to uh, plant a church. I want to preach the gospel and I I want to make converts. I I want to baptize people. And so... By God's grace, in the last decade, I baptized over 100 people. Um, And and now, at this stage of my life, I've realized I never want less than the Great Commission. I never want less than, than discipling, baptizing, preaching. I just want more. Now, what I want is I want to plant churches that preach law and gospel uh, that, that see people converted, that are discipled. The Great Commission will always forget this part, teaching them to obey all of Christ's commands. So mm-hmm. I want to disciple people into all of Christ's commands, not just the red letter, but, but the whole Bible is Christ. <laughs> you know, and so teaching them all of Christ's commands. And I, and, then, and I want to see baptisms. I want to see conversion. But then I also, I also want to see members in my church have the freedom to start families, start a business, run for local office, uh, start a publishing company, start schools. I mean, you look at the Puritans, you you look at church history, and one of the first things Christians did is they that the beachhead was the church. You plant a church, and then immediately, immediately you start a school, mm-hmm. right? And then and then you start some kind of printing press, and then and mm-hmm. you're starting businesses, and you and I think as Christians we we've just become content with just getting in the trenches and slugging it out, and there's good noble motivations there, but I think we're 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 content to just be behind enemy lines, in the trenches, working towards conversion, snatching souls from the fire. And that's good gospel work. Praise God for that. But part of me feels like, man, if we were willing to just to not see it as quitting, but a tactical retreat for a generation or two, let California fall on its face because Christians are no longer propping it up then send our grandkids back in to take over the land. I feel like that's a great strategy.
0: (laughs) I like that. And you know what, Joel, as I listen to you, you know, what comes to my mind is that you you talk about slavery. See, slavery is mental first. Slavery is mental. Slavery is even for those who historically have been physically in bondage. The the ultimate goal, that's never the end goal, is to keep you physically in bondage to keep you in shackles and braces. Uh, the goal is to get you thinking up here, that you're a slave so that you embrace that to such a degree that they can take the shackles off and yeah. you try to escape.
1: Yeah.
0: You see, you yeah. get my right point here? So, yes. so, 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 so mental, this, what we're seeing right now in America and in the world, is the greatest psychological operations in world history, what the military okay. will call PSYOPs for short. This is the greatest wow. PSYOPs uh, undertaking in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And now we have, you know, I'm looking at right now in Jude, Jude verse uh, verse three, mm-hmm. uh, where, where where Jude writes, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. Yeah. The faith is to be contended for. Now part of a, a layer of that contention as believers is to assess the landscape of the world, the culture, and society through the lens of the gospel, okay? That's called having a biblical worldview of the culture, society, and the world in which you live, and what would, do- I love what you put, it was really sad that you had to say that, Joel, but you were right. We, we-, we have uh, uh, believers within the church right now who are so comfortable in their Christianity that they don't view it as something that needs to be contended for. Now, yeah. we don't, pick fights with anyone we don't want to initiate right right, right. with anyone not not at all but right. what what we're experiencing right now when the government says you can't open your church and we've got christians out here who are confused they're confused that the constitution actually gives us uh, uh, the right to open and worship right. but that's not the reality mm-hmm. the constitution protects the inalienable right that's God right that we already have that's to right. worship. That's right. Yeah. So for anyone whose church out there is not open, there is no excuse for that. Right. Now, right. if you disagree with me, you can come at me. Don't come at Joel. You can come at me. Mm. But, but but until we until Christians understand that the Constitution doesn't give us the right to worship. That's right. That's right. That's what the word inalienable yeah. means. That is, it, it, is right. it is it is it is it is explicit of this present realm. Yeah. That's okay? right. Constitution protects a right that we already have, right? Mm-hmm. But but we have Christians today yeah. who are so complacent, especially in California. Oh well, I don't want to I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I want to cause right. any trouble. Well, right. well the, the the gospel is the message of causing trouble. Yeah, it's an offense. Jesus's whole earthly ministry mm-hmm. caused trouble. Yeah. And ver- Virgil, right. I matter of fact, if I could just get this in here, because I think it fits with the context of what we're talking about here, Joel. Um, by the time this airs to your, uh, to your audience, this episode will already be out. But as we record this, uh, uh, interview, uh, Virgin and I are working on an episode of our next Just Thinking podcast. It's going to be titled An Exposition of Biblical Unity. Mm. And I'm, I'm going to be bursting a lot of bubbles in that <laughs> episode about what unity looks like and what unity does not look like. And one of the things biblical unity does not look like is passivity, right? passivity and just sitting back on your lazy boy and letting the government dictate to you how you're supposed to live that's slavery yeah right and i think that's the
1: problem when when we talk about personal rights there's there's passive rights and there are active rights and and we we've started thinking you know that there's a right to health care there's a right right to uh university uh, there's a right to even you know universal housing universal income where people become pets you know, you like like that's what a pet is. A pet, you know, like doesn't have to produce. It doesn't have to work. It, you know, you you feed it. You take it to the vet. And you know, human beings aren't meant to be pets. And so, but when these active rights, um, like healthcare, it sounds good. But but what we don't realize is it takes that doctor and it says that his passive right, his na- namely his property, his labor, his intelligence, his work doesn't belong to him anymore. It right. it, it belongs to me. It makes so so my my active right to healthcare. Takes away the passive right of the doctor to his own labor, to his own property, his intellectual property, his experience, all those things. And so I think as, as, as our generation becomes more and more entitled to those active rights, uh, we see the freedom of those inalienable rights, human rights, the, the right to own property, the right to, to own your own uh, labor, your, your, your own gifts, all, all that begins to erode. As, as entitlement rises, Active rights begin to infringe upon passive rights, and, and the right of the collective begins to enslave the individual, and, and people just get stuck. And, and, it's, and you can wrap it all in really flowery, good-sounding, generosity, biblical language. You, you can really, anytime somebody wants, I forget who said the quote, but he was like, uh, anytime the culture adopts a new liberal principle, you can be sure uh, that some liberal theologian will find a verse in the Bible.
0: Sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm tempted to name names, but I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> you know, we, all as, right. As, as, listen, Joe, just to say this real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, when you talk about active rights uh, uh, taking priority or primacy over passive rights, see, the Bible calls that stealing. That's right. That's that. theft. Bible calls that stealing. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's just another way of stealing. The word rights has done more damage to this country in the past sixty years, probably than any other world word. word yeah. Now, and you look at a state like California. California, generally speaking, from in terms of mindset, they're proud here. They're proud mm-hmm. to call themselves progressive. They are proud. They take it as a badge of honor when the government gets even more onerous and burdensome on your life. Think about that for a second. Californians like to boast in the fact that we're progressive. We're leading the nation in uh, uh, forward thinking. We're 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 visionaries. We're we're progressives in the way we think and progressivism is defined in such a way as to uh, uh, find any avenue possible to uh, 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 apply someone else's or some group's active rights up against your passive rights right. so that your passive rights are overtaken, which makes you a slave to those, to others' active, active rights. And here in California, that's the thing to be celebrated. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah, sodomy is another thing to be celebrating.
1: Gay pride. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah calling good evil, evil good. They become inventors of new kinds of evil. It's pretty phenomenal. California is a wonderful case study that we could learn a lot from. All right, Virgil, I got to get to you, man. I'm sorry we've been. You, you're just you're living over there in privilege and freedom in Nebraska you know <laughs> so me and Darryl,
2: I, 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 I just let, I just let y'all run I know you, I know y'all have to commiserate with the, uh, the yeah I know
1: we're, we're in
2: <laughs> california man so i I totally I totally get, I want I want to address one of the things that you yeah, mentioned, yeah. Uh, you said you said leaving California and then um you know send, sending the grandchildren back in man mm-hmm. uh, apart from ensuring that we really do an incredible job of 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 providing biblical literacy, um, biblical sufficiency, and making sure that 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 the next generation actually understands that all of all of all that we have that is good, holy, right, just, and true, uh, comes from Scripture. Uh, we, you know, it it, it ends up a, a, a you know a moot point to to do to do any 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 such thing. And so, I'm glad for ministries like yours, man, that that wants to equip others to do the same. The second thing, as you guys as you guys were talking. I thought about a, a quote that, that I pulled up uh, from Frederick Hayek, which he said this, and I know we're going to talk about social justice in a bit. He said, "I'm I'm certain that nothing." He says, "quote I'm certain that nothing has done so much to destroy the juridical, and that just means legal safeguards of individual freedom, as a striving after this miracle of social justice." Mm-hmm. So, so it, you know, I, I know you, you guys are we're, we're talking about you know the 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 um, government and and its overreach. Uh, you know, in, in a number of different areas, a lot of that is informed by uh, their ideas around social justice, about righting wrongs on the basis of subjective opinion, people's subjective ideas, uh, or groups that have an axe to grind, you know, whether, it's, right. it, you know, whether it's liberals, uh, leftists. Uh, whether it's the LGBTQ community or the like, uh, they, they're, they're wanting to establish justice on the basis of their subjective ideas. And so it's, it's those kinds of things that, that begin encroaching themselves. They use the, the power of government because they know that there's nothing transformative about, there's nothing inwardly transformative about their position. And so they have right. to use the power of government uh, right. to, to enforce the kinds of rights that they're after. You're but, absolutely right. It's, it's funny,
1: Marxism, I mean, really, it all—it's all about material. Everything's material. Everything, you know, it's—it's it's so it's, there's so much vanity. Um, it's a zero-sum game. Wealth can't grow. All you guys, you guys know all that. Um, but I, I've been thinking about—it's like, what's the easiest way to take somebody else's stuff? Because that's what Marxism is all about. I want your stuff. It's all about Man. stuff because right. stuff is the only thing that matters. It's this godless right. worldview, evolution. Everything's in there, you know, baked into the the whole thing. And so, if life is all about how much stuff I can get. And and I need to get your stuff, but I'm I'm not bigger than you, right? I mean, in a priv- primitive world, you know, you just you beat them up, you take their stuff. But but if I if I can't beat you up, if I can't take, I, I'm not powerful enough to take your stuff from you. Um, to go at an individual level and to prove how an individual has, has has somehow immoral or somehow wrongfully come into the things that they possess, it's really difficult. What's easy though is to just start chopping. The whole population into groups that, and so it's like this one group over here, this one, because then it, it's all subjective. What you're saying, but now we don't have to deal with facts, cross examination, two or three witnesses. We, we don't have to deal in the realm of objectivity. We're able to just say, here's a group, here's another group. That group has a lot more stuff. This other group wants that stuff. All right. Now, what can we look like and, and just group narratives What, what can we easily indict this group that's got the stuff that we want? What can we indict them for? Uh, well, if we just pan back 150 years and, you know, and, and then we don't have to actually have to deal with individual people and, and, and their actions. And did, did they actually do something immoral or, and, and so it's the whole group dynamic, group politics, identity politics, social justice. I really think a lot of it is, it's just, it's just a, a a much more easy way. Of getting the stuff that that we feel like we should have.
0: What you guys yeah. is Tom, that fair? Thomas Sowell, Tom, Thomas Sowell in his book, The Quest for Cosmic Justice, said uh, yeah, uh-huh. that en- envy used to be one of the seven deadly sins I, I know, yeah. until it was reintroduced by his new name, social justice.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That, that's, that's social justice is just of uh, 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 envy. The four-letter word envy that that is just as much an accurate term to describe. Social justice, and you know what 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 social justicians are doing. It's the old uh, adage about how do you eat an elephant, right, Joel? You mm-hmm. eat an elephant one piece at a time, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what the social justicians are doing. Social justicians know that they have the right individuals in place in government to advance their agenda and get them ultimately to the goal that they want to reach right. which is as you said taking stuff that belongs to someone else for themselves right listen it was 40 it was probably 48 hours after the election on november 3rd that black lives matter was already demanding of joe biden and kamala harris to come through with what, what BLM wants the government to, 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 to give them in return because of what BLM is claiming they were able to do to purportedly get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris this victory. And they did. I, in my assessment,
1: I feel like w- what better incentive to give someone an election than, than the, the blackmail of if you don't give us what we want, we'll throw a fit and burn some more buildings down. Listen, here,
0: here, here's, here's, here's the stupidity of that kind of logic as it relates to BLM. Here's how stupid that is. See what BLN did, BLN pretty much put their agenda on layaway. Mm. They said, okay, we're, we're gonna, they said the Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, all right, we're gonna help you guys get into the White House. Mm. And in return, once you, if that, ha- when that happens, you will owe us this, 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 this. But see, that's not how you negotiate. That's not how you negotiate. What they should have done was demand something from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris first, mm-hmm. and then once they come through, once you pay me my ransom, right, then I respond, right. Yeah. To the White House, right. That's that's not how that see Black Lives Matters is in the same position as many black pastors were when Barack Obama was elected for his first term and his second term. Virg, you may remember this. Not long after Barack Obama was uh, inaugurated in, uh, in, in uh, been elected inaugurated in 2012, th- this group of black pastors got together and wrote him a demand letter. We did a, we did an episode about Just Thinking Podcast on this. They wrote him a demand letter, basically saying the same thing the BLM said. This is, this is, again, this is putting, listen, we put our votes, we put you on layaway, now it's time for us to cash in. But what, what do Black people get out of two terms of, the, of an Obama administration? Zip. They yeah. got zip. And you know, what's the same thing is going to happen, if, if it turns out that Biden and Harris are inaugurated in January, right. Black Lives Matters and, and, the, and the, the 90% plus of Black voters who voted for Biden and Harris are going to get zip. Right. zip. Why Why do I owe you anything, Black Lives Matter? Why do I owe you anything, Black church? When I already know going into the election that nine, t- nine out of ten of you are going to vote for me regardless, right, right, mm-hmm. why should yep. I give you
1: anything? Right. 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 Yeah, it's settling. It's back to that C.S. Lewis quote: "Desiring too little." It's it's you're you're settling for for so little. Uh, the Democratic Party is like oh, we, we we to have your allegiance, to have your vote, to have your loyalty. We we don't have to we don't have to produce anything. Whereas Donald Trump, it's like. Man, for him, I mean, and it, it, I know it's small, but it's still remarkable to double the black vote from, you know, for, uh, he, he didn't, you know, he Biden still appears to, to have, you know, he is allegedly put, you know, president elect, and we'll see how those things happen in the courts and all that. And, and if he gets it and he gets it legally, he will be my president. I'm not going to be that stuck up rat saying he's not my president. No, he is my president I agree. and I will pray for him and honor him in, in the ways that I can, you know, and, uh, but all, all that being said, my, my point is, I mean, Trump doubled the black vote um, in in this election because he has to actually he has to work for that. He had to prove jobs, employment, a, be, a higher quality of living, all those kind of things. Whereas Democratic um, officials, they, they, they it's, it's just they don't have to prove anything. They don't have to actually prove with statistics that life is better, that you stand to benefit. And man, it's but I think things are changing because. I think a lot of a lot of guys like you, I think the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, like, I mean, Christian guys and then Common Grace examples who aren't even Christian. Candace Owens, Larry Elder, um, the Uncle Tom documentary. I'm sure you guys saw it like this. There's so much so good content that keeps coming out, and coming out. And everybody, regardless of ethnicity, everybody, I think that if, if there's anything good that came out of this last election, I think it's the exposure of the corruption in the mainstream media. And, and even some big tech problems. And, and all of a sudden, I think these, these alternative media sources like Daily Wire, and The Blaze, and Just Thinking Podcast, and um, people are actually giving us an ear yeah. for, for the first time and, and considering that, that we actually might have something to say. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think liberals have overplayed their hand. I think yeah. the tides are going to turn, and I, I feel hopeful.
2: I, 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 I agree with you to an extent I I'm, and I'm with you I think all of those people you've named and a lot of the the uh, you know everybody from Larry Elder to a Candace Owen to to the Shapiros I think all of them have done a fantastic job of of putting the message out and 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 really um, explaining uh, in simple terms uh, what they're getting for their vote or what they're not getting for their vote. And so I, th- I think those kinds of things are helpful. A lot of a lot of black folks have been quote unquote red pilled, right? Uh, yeah. Brand- Brandon Tatum and, and others who are who are uh, have videos and things like that. One of the things that and we and we love I'm I'm thankful for their work. I I, think, I, I love the way you set that up by, by explaining he's the, the, these are the common grace gifts for, that that God, is, that God is, has established. At the end of the day though, we have to realize the people of God have to realize that the 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 real answer the true answer is, is not in politics, uh, but yep. it's, in, it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, while I'm thankful for Candace Owen, I'm, I'm more grateful and thankful uh, for for people like Ali Stuckey, uh, because yeah. I think when, she, when she's out there expressing her her positions about political issues, she's anchoring them in the truth of the Word of God and, and yeah. expressing that the only the only true light that we have is the light of the gospel. At the end of the day, so th- those are those are some I I, I do think. It is critically important for us to make those distinctions. Otherwise, you'll be like me. Because back in the day, I used to do urban radio. And that's kind of how Daryl and I got, got connected. And uh, you know, I told him, man, one, you need to do a podcast. And two, I've done some radio. And man, I think your voice needs to be out there. So we kind of partnered in, in that regard. But I, one of the things I, I did, Joel, is I spent a lot of time uh, talking about conservatism on, my, on, on, on the radio and I was known as the black conservative. You know, not, not I, I love the moniker, I thought that was cool. Yeah, lone black guy, conservative, you know, and all of that. But what i realized over the course of time was what I began to amplify was conservatism above the cross right. of Christ.
1: That's right. And yeah. so
2: it, it, it's critically important to make that distinction. I think we have to be informed about the issues. And, and Daryl and I just did an episode about the doctrine of elections. And so it's mm-hmm. it's critically important that we don't leave our doctrine at the doorstep, but that we're informed by doctrine and that we mm-hmm. that we allow that 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 um, our, our, our mind to be informed and, and then to go into the voting booth and vote accordingly uh, in the establishment of, of having righteous lawmakers, right, righteous mm-hmm. politicians who uphold the standard of God. So that's that's right. how we need to operate, that's how we need to be informed, that's how we need to need to yeah. walk in. But we have to, we have to make the distinction. That conservatism is great, but it will never be greater than the cross of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ himself.
1: Right. I'm, I'm with you. And I think conservative, the way I see it is all truth is God's truth. So whatever is not not merely conservative, but it is truly conservative in the sense that it is true. Um, is true—is really what, what we find there is um, we, it's, it's not even it's not even just, um, separate from the cross of Christ. Uh, it, it stems from the cross of Christ. And what we have for those who are not Christians is we have that common grace example of somebody who's borrowing from God's worldview. They're borrowing uh, God's truth, but without without turning and giving God homage, without without acknowledging God as the source right. of all that right. is good and all that is true. But the problem is that the Christian worldview and the gospel, God's law and His gospel, which I love our, our founders' friends that you know God loves His law just as much as He loves His gospel because both. Are, are, are a revelation, a, a manifestation of his own character. God is holy and God is merciful. And, and so because God loves his own triune self, because God is a self-glorifying, self-adoring, self-loving God, he loves his law, loves his gospel, both manifest his own nature, his own perfections and character. And stemming from God's law and his gospel, we have the, these these conservative views. They stem from that. The problem is that without the worldview view it's like, it's like hanging a truth in midair that, you know what I mean? And, and, and so what happens is that somebody, you know, even a blind squirrel can find an acorn every now and then. And, you know, even, even a broken clock can be right twice a day, you know? And, and so what happens is that you, you get some common grace examples who, you know, like King Cyrus, you know, it's like, why, why is he funding, you know, the people of Israel to go back and, so you, you get those examples because God's sovereign and he directs the heart of the king like waters in the way that he wants it to go. But the problem right. is if it's just hanging in midair, although all truth is God's truth, if if God's truth is not ultimately grounded in in the ultimate truth of his right. gospel and his law and his His own nature, then it can just, one generation can borrow and then another, another generation replaces it because because it's... It's, it's just hanging there. And I think that's the problem is if we only win people, to agree with you, Virgil, if we only win people to conservatism for the sake of conservatism, but we hang it in midair instead of grounding it in the triune God, yes. which makes it true, yes. then, then the next generation, I, I think that what, what we do is we teach our kids what, what you should do. What you sh- but if we don't teach them why, they, they, they abandon the what because they don't have the reason. And, and that's okay. that's how we. So sadly, you're, you're so right. That's so insightful because that's precisely how we got here. That's how mm-hmm. we. That's why we took God out of our schools and we took God out of our nation. We 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 thought we don't need the foundation to have the benefits. We don't need right. the roots of the tree to eat right. these apples to have this right. fruit. And right. and then all the fruit eventually dried up and it's gone. And now we're finding fruit again. And we want to just hang apples in the middle of the air without planting trees. And, and so even if we can win the, the, the populace to conservatism without giving them the why and grounding the gospel and the law, uh, it, it'll only last for a generation. It won't be that deep, long, multi-generational work. You guys agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah t- totally agree with you, Joel, there. And I think fundamental to what you and Virgil are saying here is that the church no longer preaches that we're aliens and strangers. Hmm. The church no longer preaches that. The church no longer preaches that we are as Christians, as believers, we're we're aliens and strangers here. See what? So so, uh, given that that's not part of our, uh, uh, that, that's not part of our orthodoxy, it's not part of our orthopraxy. You don't hear that in pulpits anymore. So what we've done as a church, we start to buy into this soteriology that the government has been selling. Mm. You see, we got a bunch of blind squirrels. I'm glad you 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 use that. We got a bunch of blind squirrels out of here. I hear who thinking because because their 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 worldview is so grounded in the world in their life their physical life here their physical existence here they're, that's where their focus is. Yeah. yeah. So, so we just have a bunch of blind squirrels out here willing to accept well if the government gives us an acorn here the government gives us an apple over here then I should mm-hmm. be content with that. You mm-hmm. see, but we're, we're aliens and strangers. This is what Peters is saying in Second Peter chapter. Of First Peter chapter two verse eleven, beloved, I urge you, as aliens and strangers. Yeah, that, that that little two-word preposition as that's stating a reality. That's a definitive, objective reality. That's who you are. That's who you are. You are not people who, though you live physically in America, you it goes back right to what you were saying, Joel, earlier. We just have a low view of, of accepting uh, less versus more. So we accept these acorns because oh woe is me? This is my existence in this life, and you know I'll I'll see God in eternity when I die. No, this this is this is not the mindset that God wants us living with. But we're a bunch of blind squirrels just willing to accept a little acorn every now and then as I run into it. And then as as and the government knows this. The government knows it. The government knows that we have a bunch of churches, a bunch of professing Christians out here who are just scared, yeah. timid, frightened. To contend for the faith, yeah. right. that they know this. This is why. This is why Governor Newsom, Gavin Newsom in uh, California, a Governor Whitmer in Michigan, and and in other states, they know that they can just roll out these in- incremental edicts, these fiats, right. and they know that the church, the churches in these states and Christians are just going to cave to them, we're That's just right. going to genuflect to them. We That's we won't right. stand up. We won't stand up in the face of what is objectively biblically evil. Right, right. We need, we I, need to start doing
1: that. Yeah, I can only imagine uh, in the time of Daniel, you know, a 30-day edict. Can you can you just imagine that the worshipers of Yahweh, right, the Christians at that time say, hey, surely we should submit to the civil magistrate. In fact, it's only a 30-day edict, you know, and, and certainly God will understand if we forego prayer for it's temporary, you know, and, and it's, and we, and we listen to that and I'm being facetious, but sometimes that kind of argumentation helps put right. things into perspective, you know, because, because if you apply that, right, like that kind of language, any, any God-fearing Christian would be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then I would say, and help me see how it's different. What would, what, yeah, you know?
2: I, yeah. But I think, I think the, diff, the difference is, and I, I, one, I completely agree with you, I think the problem is what Daryl stated, which is up front: we're not, we don't think of ourselves as as aliens and strangers. Number one, mm-hmm. and number two, we have no doctrine of suffering. Uh, yeah. we have no right. doctrine of suffering, and so as a result of not having a doctrine of suffering, uh, we think that we are right in doing that which is righteous when government and society and the mm-hmm. culture agrees with us, right? So. Right. If culture, society agrees with us and, we, and, 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 and things are peaceful, then we're doing the right thing. When government, right. society, and culture is against us, we must have something wrong with our message. And so yeah. we've got to go fix our message, right. recalibrate the message, and then represent it in the hope that, that we'll be liked by others. That's kind of You're what's right.
1: happening. You're right. When we, get, when we get pushback, our immediate thought is that we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we read the words of Christ, our immediate thought would be we're in good company. Maybe we're doing something right. Yep. All
2: right. Whoa. Well, let me,
1: let me ask you guys this because we're, we're kind of getting short on time. Um, this is the biggest question that, that, that I just wanted to make it really specific to the church and even more specific because most of our listeners are already going to be, you know, reformed, at least in their soteriology and and um, Calvinistic and, and, uh, and, you know, in, in our camp. And so I guess my question is this, the the Reformed Church, it seems like for the last 10, 15 years, I'm a little bit younger. You guys probably saw this more than I did, you know, but I was still kind of watching as a a young man, seeing what was going on. It seemed like with big conferences between, you know, Together for the Gospel and Gospel Coalition and, and guys like Piper and Desiring God and Ligonier, you know, and and even just the friendship between guys like John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul. Lots of doctrinal distinctives, uh, distinctions, I should say, differences. And yet a, a loving tenderness, a brotherly love, able to partner, doing all these things together. And so my question is, the Reformed Church seemingly has been able to bridge the gap on some big doctrinal issues such as continuationist versus cessationist. Um, I mean, we know John MacArthur, I mean... New Testament prophecy, he's he's not going to say, yeah, I, I disagree. He's going to say, I think it's destroying the church. I think it's a big deal. And yet he loves John Piper. He's able, you know, so gifts of the spirit, baptism, credo, paedo, uh, covenant theology versus dispensationalism, all, all these kinds of things, massive issues. And yet we can pack 20,000 guys in a conference setting and, and singing a, hymns to the Lord and psalms and spiritual songs like linking arms, giving hugs, and and we strongly disagree. And it seems like in my, just sitting here watching what's going on, in my perspective, it seems like the dividing line, that the Reformed church, not just the church, not just the culture, but that the the Reformed, gospel-loving church is not going to be able to get over is, is the dividing line of social justice, racial reconciliation, identity politics, and and I guess I just want to put it to you guys, to me it seems to communicate that that this issue is bigger than baptism, it's bigger than confessionalism, it's bigger than covenant theology, it's bigger than gifts of the Spirit, um, because this is the one that we're not willing to link arms over. This is the dividing line, and I think it's a dividing line, just to show my hand, I, I think it is a dividing line. I think it is bigger than those things, I guess my question is why? Why is this issue bigger than than all those other doctrinal issues?
0: Yeah, let me let me start, Joel, and then I'll let Virgil jump in here. Um, I think a problem with reformed believers when it comes to this issue of social justice is that they're not I think they've been caught off guard from where this thing, this issue, this whole issue came from. And what I mean by that, see, there, there's no Westminster confession to go back to, to refer to, when it comes to social justice, you see. Right, right. There, 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 there's no, uh, there's no uh, Belgian confession to go back to. There's no, uh, there are no Puritans, there, there, there are no social justice Puritans to go back to. See, so, so, social justice didn't come from a, a, a theological uh, origin. It's Genesis, it's yeah. not theological, it's cultural. It's cultural, and see, th- th- this has been my this has been my one issue with reformed believers is that they're so academic they're so academic in their theology their hands are so clean that they don't know how to go they don't they don't know how to make the shift between a the, uh, be, between a theological argument and defending a, a, or arguing against a cultural argument they don't know how to make that shift see virtually, but we we, we operate in both of those arenas mm-hmm. so so we're, we're, we're both reformed so we can sit here and have a a, a theological academic conversation with you oh. on reformed theology, but we can also uh, uh, come back with an apologetic from a cultural standpoint, because that's the, that's, that's the milieu in which Virgil and I grew up, mm. you see, so what, so what, so I could, I could quote you uh, just as easily Martin Luther King as I can John Calvin, okay, but we, we need reformed believers who can do that. Right. Who can cross those lines back and forth, come back and forth, and have and offer a biblically orthodox apologetic against what has a cultural origin? Right. You see, this is why this is why social justice is a dividing line because reform reform people are so used to going back to well, let's see what the Westminster said, right? Let's see what the Westminster said. But have you have you read Martin Luther King's papers from Crozier Theological Seminary? Have you read those papers? You see, I, I I I get that you've read uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards. I get that, but have you read James Cone? Mm-hmm. You see, have you read Cone? I mean, read Cone. I don't mean go on Google and, and Google James Cone, and then something pops up. Have you read James Cone? Have you read Martin Luther King? Have you? Re- Did you know that in a, a paper at Crozer Theological Seminary in 1948, that Martin Luther King, as a 19 year old, said in black and white wrote that I am a staunch proponent of the social gospel. Hmm. In his own words, can you quote Martin Luther King in his own words and say, well, Martin Luther King was a social social, a social gospel proponent. And, and, and can you say, can you go back in current day right now and read and, and quote a Raphael Warnock, hmm. who is a successor to Ebenezer Baptist Church where Dr. Martin Luther King preached right. and, arg- and dissect and pick apart Warnock's Black Liberation Theology and bring it into a reform theological construct. Mm. See, so we don't have reformed believers who are prepared to do that. So that's mm. why this issue seems so listen, social justice, and John MacArthur has said this, and I think he's absolutely right. He agrees exactly with what you just said, Joel. John MacArthur has said that social justice is the most important issue the church has ever faced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's because. Because, as I said earlier, we have such a misplaced soteriology that our, soul, our 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 doctrine of salvation is rooted in our life here on earth, right? Not 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 with God in heaven later. Our reward is in heaven. First right. Peter one makes that clear. So we have a re, we have uh, we have a uh, 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 a a. Uh, in verse in first Peter one five, he says we have an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven mm-hmm. for you. You see, we, we see we're trying to get that reward here. Right. You see, so 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 again, I think a a, a big problem within the reform theology is that we have b- beliefs who are so academic in, in their theological worldview, they don't want to get their hands dirty. Right. Yeah. Want to get their hands dirty. See, see to, to battle social justice and critical race theory, you got to be willing to get your hands dirty, mm-hmm. and, and and I mean, you need to be able to say, "Hey, I went into some of these urban communities. I've talked with these Black church pastors who are preaching Black liberation theology from these pulpits, mm-hmm. and you can name names and you can name churches. But until we get outside of the West Westminster uh, 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 confession, there is no question in the Westminster confession that addresses right. critical. So, how right. are you going to handle that? Right now,
1: you're right, Virgil. What do you, What do you think?
2: I just I'll briefly summarize. I know you run short on time. But just say this is a different gospel. The That's social right. justice gospel is a different gospel. It has That's right. A, it, it it has it. It's established an anti biblical anthropology. Right the, the, the idea of race says of people. Uh, it it ha, it has an an unbiblical uh, uh right the, the sole sin that christ didn't didn't pay for was the sin of racism uh so so it, it has it has a an ethnic um uh, soteriology uh, where you're going to have to as a white person uh works are going to be anti-racist works are going to have to be involved for you for the the, re- the remainder of your life in order to make retribution restitution, or even reparations—six different exactly. forms of reparations that need to be wow. paid for. So the 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 idea that what Christ did on the cross was sufficient to save is is, is antithetical to a, a a worldview where social justice, where Black Lives Matter, where critical race theory uh, are embraced. This is a different gospel, and we That's and. Right. And I, I think Daryl explained it well. We we have to know what these things are. We have to go back and read uh, a Kendi. We have to go back and read and know. know n- only for the for the thought of <coughs> knowing where these folks are coming from.
1: Right, where have
2: come from? Yeah. To to well to my to my left. You you know I've I've got Cohn's works. Right, I've I've got all of all of his writings. I've I've got the the, the Mark the, the, the Marxian origins. You mentioned the social gospel that was embraced. I think Daryl did the, the social gospel that was in, embraced by Martin Luther King. I've I've read Walter Rauschenbusch's works. We know where this stuff comes from in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So we have to be versed on those things. We have to know what that is. But but we have to do it through the lens of a biblical worldview. I think that's been the popularity of what we're doing with just thinking. And yeah. Joel, what I know, what I know, you're 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 trying to establish a with right response. It's 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 making sure that that you have a biblical lens by which to view all the issues of culture, so that you can rightly divide the word. That's right. That's that's
1: so good, guys. Um, Daryl and Virgil, I, I, I that, that's what I, I wanted to hear you guys say. But that's been my suspicion. I think uh, that that just growing suspicion is I, I think the reason why the Reformed camp has been able to bridge. Overcome our differences, bridge the divide on baptism, confessional, uh, confessionalism, dispensationalism versus covenant theology. Our different eschatologies—we could be pre-mill and post-mill—and yet we can all get together, love each other, support each other. And these are massive issues: gifts of the Spirit versus cessationism. I think the reason why, what I hear both of you guys saying is because all those things, is as big a difference as, as there are. They all, they all have their source in christianity
0: yes yes absolutely and we whereas
1: what we're dealing with now has its source in the pit of hell it is a a vain philosophy a godless ideology Mm -hmm. and 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 pastors can't sniff it out because what you're saying daryl that they're versed in john calvin Mm -hmm. but they're not versed in james cone and 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 so they hear some other guy right that game of telephone so by the time it gets to them they're like well that sounds pretty christian Right. So they 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 treat it just like Credo versus pedo baptism, right. you know, like but both could you know like yeah there are some differences but these are our brothers but if they right. traced it back to its source they would find it oh it wasn't like there was one denomination Christian denomination that baptized infants and in one denomination Christian denomination that didn't no 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 the, here's what Christians view on the issue of anthropology who God is who man is how we. Who unites us? Are we united in Christ or not? Is there is there more ministry of reconciliation that has to be done because Christ didn't finish the work? And or if we trace this back to its source, social justice, identity politics, we, we find that it that it that it arises not from theologians. Right. It doesn't arise from pastors. It, right. it arises from from godless Marxist yeah philosophers that that that. that Whether to even make a claim that these men themselves were regenerate would be difficult to defend. And, and, um, and I think, so I think that's in short to kind of just conclude us. I think the reason why this issue is bigger than anything else isn't because we just want to talk about race again and again and again. It's because this issue, all those other issues are tertiary or is secondary. This is primary because like Virgil, you said it perfectly. It's another gospel. another gospel. It's another gospel. Another All right, gospel. brothers, thank you so much for i I'm just I've been so blessed by you guys, your ministry. Your podcast is different than anybody else. Is it like what we just did here today, I pray will be helpful and fruitful for people. But but for our listeners, you gotta know what, what I do, I think there's a lot of strength to it, but it's not what Virgil and Daryl do. Nobody, I don't know of anybody who's doing what they do on the Just Thinking podcast. Um it, it's a it's got the feel of a podcast. And the feel of a, of a seminary lecture at the same time. The, the amount of work that these guys put into it, the amount of reading and quotes and scripture is just um, there's no other uh, other podcast like it. A lot of podcasts, you listen to podcasts, it's helpful, but you get a lot of quips and pundits and, and just you know uh, you get fired up. but, but uh, Daryl and Virgil will teach you how from the beginning to the end, how to structure the whole argument and not just make that little quip, you know that little that next Twitter you know, a little tweet that'll get you some, some followers, but so, uh, you got to follow the just thinking podcast. Any, any other way that guys can follow you men and what you're doing?
2: Just thinking.me just thinking.me. That's the, um, I mean, wherever you download your podcast, Spotify, I mean, we're on all the, all the, you know, uh, Apple, iTunes, all that stuff. But if, you know, if you want to get it from the website, you go to just Okay, great. So we're going to have our bonus question. Um, uh, so anybody, if you're not a responder,
1: that's one of our club members. We encourage you to uh, go to our website, become a club member. We, we, we just, we, we can't do it without your support, uh, your prayers, your finances. And so if you're not a responder, one of our club members with Right Response Ministries, please, please do that. And uh, for our club members, our responders, we have our bonus edition. And so uh, Daryl and Virgil are going to stay on for an extra five to five to 10 minutes. And our bonus question, just to whet your appetite, is... Uh, Uh, Daryl and Virgil, what do you guys think about reparations and what is a biblical support for whether or not that's a good or bad idea? So thanks for tuning into this episode, and uh, we'll see you guys in our next episode of Theology Applied. Thanks for tuning in to Right Response Ministries. As a reminder, all of our resources should only be used as a supplement and not a substitute for the local church. Be sure to check out our website, rightresponseministries.com, or download our free app. There you can find out how to join our team by supporting us monthly as a responder. As a responder, you will receive a Soli Deo Gloria t-shirt and a physical copy of Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? Also, you'll receive an ongoing 10% discount on all items in the store, as well as access to free digital copies of all current and future books in the store. Thank you for your generous support.